Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time for Mortgage Matters. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome. We got to wait for Dan to get some headphones on here. He's... He's Playing cut part of Jason today, close. Dan. Boy. What do you mean? In my oh. chair before we go live. What How do are you, you like supposed that? to mean by that, Jim? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I arrive <laughs> precisely as I mean to. Uh-huh. All right, all right. I still like that hat. I never received. My you know, I oh, I thought shoot. about you this week. I I remembered, and I thought, you know, I bet Dan forgot. Oh, it's okay. Mainly because when. After a uh, five-day work week, yeah. you come in here on your sixth day of work. You want to go and home. And by the time you're going <laughs> down those two little steps out to the car, yeah, you wanna go home. it's hard not to think of uh, freedom. Yeah. You know. that, anyway, the brand new Central Coast Lending logo. It's very nice. Yeah. It's a great hat. Lots of compliments I got on my hat cool. this week. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And we're 2-0 and on our softball team. With new, the new hat. The oh, new, that's awesome. <laughs> the new hat's really stepping up the game like, yeah. around the... You know what else I noticed since the new hat? Hmm. The Dow closed over 18,000. <laughs> wow. Just, it's really a... Call it a coincidence. Yeah, it's changing the world. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Dow closed over 18,000 yesterday. So good morning to log in and check on your, requ- your uh, retirement account, stock accounts. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah, check it out. Feel good about it. Hmm. Last week, we were talking about how the 10-year bond yields like lost its volatility and just been sitting. And I suppose I couldn't say that it's um, regained its volatility because there seems to be no volatility. We had four days in a row this week where the 10-year bond yield just went up, up, up. So 10-year bond yield closed out yesterday at one89 which is still pretty good. I mean, it's much lower than than where the, the where it was when the Feds decided to raise rates. So I suppose that's the good thing. But dare I mention the ten-year Treasury yield range that we've been in? Yeah. So it's been trading in a range of one six ish, one six five to like one nine five. So now we're at the upper end of that. Of so that what's going to happen? Well, I. If we could go back down into the range, right? That's what I'll be over here hoping for. So yeah, if you're in the process of doing a loan and you haven't locked in your rate yet, it probably makes sense to just sit tight for a little bit, continue forward in the process, and um, and keep your eye on it. It was kind of a snoozer news week this week, and as best I could tell, I mean, I I read several articles of people beginning to try their opinion at why this is happening and as best i could tell the best ones were just that with oil rising is just going along with oil um and no other great reasoning that i could see here's here's what i'm forecasting right now which my forecasts are rarely right so take it with a (laughs) grain of salt but there's i'm i'm still believing that june is when 
there po- there's potentially another quarter point increase by the Fed. Oh, so we're just kind of... I think what we're going to see here is another dip down towards the low end of this trading range, probably early May. And then mid-May, you're going to start to hear talks heat up about the June meeting. And so sometime around mid-May, you're going to start to see some some wagers being placed um, on a Fed rate hike, which is going to lead us probably up and out of this range that we're in, maybe even back over 2% on the 10-year yield. I realize That's I'm, my prediction. I realize I'm always a pessimist about it, but I feel like um, this could be the just already the slow work up towards it i think i think we got one more dip in us i hope you're right i mean i it's been the kind of thing around the office where we're for the last oh i don't know it's been the practice for a month and a half or so it's kind of like when you when you get a deal with a client and the you know, whether they're purchasing or refinancing, you go over the current interest rate in terms and it's acceptable. It's probably a pretty good idea to go ahead and lock that loan. Um, hasn't exactly been a very good floating environment lately. So I think most people have been on the, the game plan of locking in what good they could get because it feels like we're moving towards those, you know, maybe just that summer season where things get a little bit, a um, little bit hotter. So we shall see, you know, that's the fun thing about it. You never know. Even once it happens, you can kind of look back and see that it was a a mixed bag of what probably influenced it and how and why and, and the signs you missed or the ones you thought were significant and proved not to play a part. So who knows? That's the fun part about it. It's yep. it's almost like these markets are living, breathing beings that some sometimes just behave and sometimes defy logic oh hey hey i found i okay i don't think this is going to be a lot of help for the people around um slow county but did you see this recent little bailout that homeowners are getting no this is uh it's kind of a wild one and it's a um certainly a little bit uh this is specific to slow county no 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 so fhfa Help me out with the, it's the, that's the home, <laughs> federal, federal home finance authority. Yeah. They're basically the, like think Fannie and Freddie. This, this, the agency that's like big on the top of the, um, the home loan food chain. They've rolled out a new, um, modification program and are requiring servicers so it's kind of a top down mandate requiring servicers to solicit eligible borrowers um, for a principal reduction so people who are underwater yeah it it's still is it too little too late kind yeah i mean it feels like it yet i say that and we're doing a harp loan this week S- <laughs> we're doing a not, we're doing a harp loan. I would not have expected. And you I've to seen say commercials that. lately for harp loans, Who and it's so weird. Sat on a harp loan this long. I don't know. Who who's the loan officer that's doing? I just need to. I seem to find. It's out. in our. It's it's being uh, put together in our Morro Bay office. Okay, so, so gonna, I don't know if the borrowers in Morro Bay or not. But, I'm gonna yeah. just have to find out where. Were they asleep for a while? Maybe in one of those like comas, medically induced or otherwise, where you just didn't know that this stuff was going on for five years running. But anyways, check out this one. Um, 
if you so it could have been someone who's in an, a Fannie Mae arm and enjoying a nice adjusted low so rate. I want you to picture the <laughs> giving them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe, <laughs> maybe when you could have switched off to like a fixed where you could. Um, anyway, so I want you to start by imagining the two sides that are fighting here. Okay. Um, one side of this is like totally upset that, that there would be another round of handouts given to anybody in the current economy and environment. The other side is so upset that, um, you, you basically have to stand on a ball with one leg and balance a cup of water uh, on your nose to make it work. What's the criteria to get this principle reduction? Yeah. So it, it has to be owner occupied. Easy. Yeah. 90 days or more delinquent. Oh. That's kind of tough. And how did you hang on this long? And and why are you still delinquent with property values? Like I, most every area I can see around here, property values are back to or exceeded what they were at the height of the market in 2006. Um, you have to have an unpaid principal balance of $250,000 or less. Oh. And you have to have a mark-to-market LTV ratio exceeding 115% of your property value. So you have to owe more, th right? But check it out. The FHFA says they've run the numbers on this, and there are 33,000 borrowers that are going to get this principal reduction modification. So, folks, I suppose if if you're hearing me say this... Say very, <laughs> very few of them will be in California. Very few. <laughs> but, hey, maybe you know somebody in another market or... I don't know. What about... Okay, this, th this bothers Bakersfield? me. What about the people that have a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac loan? Because, remember, they went Purchased up... Purchased after 2009? They went up to $417,000 on their loan amount. What happens to those people who are have a LTV greater than one fifteen? The, the people from two, two hundred and fifty thousand to four hundred and seventeen thousand. They just you're underwater and tough. You luck. make too much money, man. We're not worried about you. But look, I so I started thinking about this. We talk about in lending. There's a lot of our education and a lot of laws that prevent disparate treatment, right? How is this not? It seems like the it is. charge it seems like led by yeah. a federal agency to say, hey. If you had a Fannie Mae loan and you're upside down and you're delinquent and you have, you meet all this criteria um, and you owe your loan amount is $250,000 or less, we're going to help you. But if you're and, – and, and believe me, before 2009 is when these originated. So really loans up to $417,000 all over the place. How do you justify – at $251,000, and we're real sorry, bud, you don't meet the criteria, that person needs the help, deserves the help, and I think should be entitled to the help that you're going to give somebody that has a loan for a dollar less. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Um, and how is, I mean, I wonder if they're going to end up having to fix that part of it because it does, it feels like you're treating borrowers differently based on some characteristic, which to me is the heart of what based the, on an economic characteristic well and that's and what, it's and that's yeah explicitly you know called out in the, in these fair lending laws so yeah i agree I'm, I'm good with the delinquency um component of it you know those are people that are on the path to to losing their home and so those are the people that have demonstrated a need for help i i get that but the loan amount um the loan amount criteria doesn't make any sense to me yeah wow and it's a one-time thing, by the way. So, 
You should only need a principal reduction. (laughs) If you go get an appreciating market, if you go get your principal reduction. So how much of a principal reduction are they offering? Does it get you down to a certain loan to value or is it just a flat dollar amount? What is it? That's uh, that's a really good question, and I didn't see what they said it would be adjusted to. I imagine it's a formula based on those federal debt-to-income ratio standards. But hmm. um, I did copy the link back to the original announcement, though, so let me look at this quickly and see what it cuts you down to. But most of the time, these modification programs are go to you know, the federal... 31 or 33 percent debt to income ratio yeah. which gives you a pretty sweet deal huh. um, that's wild that is that does seem to to be counter to all of the anti so melvin watt the guy that's like that heads the fhfa currently does he have a statement yeah he said the the housing market has significantly improved in recent years but there's still areas of the country where values have not recovered and negative equity remains a real problem um and so basically this new program is gonna you know be that opportunity for those kind of regional trouble spots to not continue to have foreclosure problems and delinquency problems and Hmm. um and i guess i'd probably wouldn't kind of giggle at it the way i do if i knew where those areas were or if i was in one of them or knew somebody that was um but I gotta rem- I gotta imagine though that some of those areas though, like those might be some of the areas that are tied to like the energy business right now, like areas that were like heavy in fracking or whatever, where they're not all of a sudden their entire economy for their local like everybody worked in this industry, everything relied on it, and the whole area is just in big big trouble. Of course, you're going to have, you know, when you have a lack of employment opportunity or you you kind of have your entire local industry get turned upside down, that's where you see so many delinquencies that then property values go down, right? I mean, it's kind of what happened in the whole U.S., right? When we had, remember when initial jobless claims were like seven, 800000 a week? Sure. So that's kind of what happened, right? I mean, it, it made things more affordable as people couldn't buy and were having trouble and banks had to get into taking property back and, and selling them. Um, there doesn't seem to be any mention in this article um, from the FHFA about what they would cut your loan to. Hmm. Oh, my God. Hang on. There is a fact sheet, and I just opened this fact sheet. You're going to love this. The modification terms include capitalization of outtime of outstanding arrearages, an interest rate reduction down to the current market rate, an extension of the loan term to 40 years. Huh. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Is that hilarious? I thought that was a predatory Well, it is, unless you're having trouble making your payment. Then we'll help <laughs> then we'll use it to help make it more affordable. That's funny. Wow. This just came out. I, I mean, thought that was a predatory term. I mean, that's why we're not allowed to offer the 40-year term on yeah. current loans to, to current homeowners. Huh. Interesting. We just had, Didn't we spend like an hour talking about that last week? About <laughs> yeah. the 40-year term? That's crazy. I'm looking at the rest of this article now, and it's just... I mean, the fact sheet, there's, there's nothing, uh, anything else groundbreaking in it. Wow. Weird. Yeah. So anyways, if you're 
<laughs> turns out if regionally you're having an affordability issue, a 40-year term is a pretty good option. <laughs> bring you down bring you down to the current market rate interest and then give you a predatory loan term. Yours truly from the from the feds here. But if you're two thirds of the population of the United States that's found buying a home to be unaffordable, there's yeah, you're just a renter, lifetime renter. Sorry Good about luck. that. <laughs> wow. Saw an article this week, by the way, that was talking about how millennials have most, a lot of millennials have just given up an interest in owning if they live in a, a metropolitan. Mm -hmm. Saying things like it's taking on average 20 years to save a down payment. Wow. And so because of that, they're sort of just going, hey, that, that like pie in the sky dream from yesteryear, that doesn't fit me. So they they realize they either just going to be... Uh, forever renters or moving to some place where those aren't the rules. Um, I don't think that that's like probably very surprising. You could put that title probably on any <laughs> 20 something living in an area where the housing is so expensive. Uh, yeah. So anyways, I thought you'd like that. That's a fun one. So yeah, if you guys need that, if you if you feel like you might fit that criteria, need a principal reduction. Uh, by the way, when you get a principal reduction, that can trigger some pretty heavy tax consequences. So the the final end of that article said, make sure you talk to your consultant before you apply for and receive your principal modification. Is it gonna? Are you gonna receive a ten ninety nine for that? You are. With your with your financial hardship when you're already upside down on your mortgage and. It's unaffordable to the point that you're 90 days or more late. They're then going to stiff you with a big tax bill. Yeah, they write off $100,000 worth of your mortgage or whatever and it here, is. And now you owe, you, know, you owe 20, 30 grand in taxes. No problem, right? We'll get you on a payment schedule. <laughs> Good luck. Wow. How is that even helpful? It's like, you know why, too? You're, people can bankrupt out of a mortgage Debt right. and these guys, you can't bankrupt out of your IRS liens. How many people Those don't go away? I bet zero people actually accept this. It'll be interesting to see. Um, those harp loans, by the way, that you discussed kind of feels like a blast from the past to me, <laughs> yeah. but you said we have one in the pipeline mm -hmm. right now. The harp loan was wildly unsuccessful. I mean. Yeah, some people refinanced using... Based on the numbers of people that were supposedly eligible for the program and then the numbers that actually received oh, the loan. Yeah, yeah there were so many that were kind of be able to take advantage of the great program and then um, either, you know, just weren't properly marketed to, I guess. Is that how we're... Well, there was a big knock chalk on, the, on the government for not marketing it very well at all. I mean, initially, the first probably 12, 18 months of the program, you never didn't hear a word about it other than from folks like us. Right. Um, only like a year or two or three into the program did they finally start putting advertisements on television and radio. And I wouldn't, you know, there were, those were tough loans to do too. Um, yeah. Uh, and you remember, Dan, one of the big problems. So when HARP first came out, it was limited to what? Like a 105% loan to value or something. Yeah. There were, yeah. And, then, and then it wasn't getting enough traction. And part of the problem was we were having people that would apply for one. And then it would turn out that they were 110 or 115 or 120% loan to value and it would just die. Well, and a lot of the lenders were worried about what their liability would be in facilitating this underwater loan. 
alone. Right. I mean, that's about as risky as it gets. Right. And so then the Harp 2 component came out, which alleviated what you were talking about to some degree. They removed that the reps, reps and, and warrants. warrants. Yeah. yeah. So you could make one, like a lender like me, I could make one of those loans and not worry that if I... I don't know, missed a page of a bank statement or missed a signature on a right to rescind or, or something the, that the I would... the borrowers decided, you know what, I'm done with this house and I'm... I'm giving it up. Giving it up. You know, you're not liable thanks, as the lender. Thanks for the new loan, but it's still a a shoddy investment and I'm out of here. Yeah. That, and you made one at 110 or something loan to value. Wow, we saw them crazy. I mean, we saw them at 150, 175 loan to value. Yeah. So they, they pulled that cap off. It had unlimited LTV, but then what happened? Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citibank, Chase, all the big banks, they still kept caps on it. They didn't want to do them unlimited. So, right. And then also the other big problem with it was it came out early and it was a one-time deal. So if you did the loan, that was it. So sometimes people did it too early and their property still went down in value or the interest rates got a lot lower. I remember the first round of HARP loans that were being done. People were doing a HARP loan and getting like a four and three quarters or a 5% interest rate. And then a year or two later, rates fell into to three. Yeah. So all those people that did it were like, oh, <clears throat> we're real sorry that you that you did take advantage of the program and get it earlier. Now you're stuck in that higher rate. And they had no way of getting down to the new lower rates that were literally half the interest because they still had negative equity. So that's why that program, I think, was just pretty lackluster. Well, and, and at some point, didn't they come out and say, you could do it a, a second time? But they kind of whispered it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm it, still not even 100% I'm not 100 positive sure it was fully that that was official. <laughs> and I don't know that... Um, I never saw anybody saying like, "Hey, let's let's reharp the the original Harpers." Yeah, I, usually when there's an opportunity for refinancing, our investors are singing well, real they, loud to us. Yeah, they, they, hey, know, they go know how to alert us. They're like the bird dog of where the loans are. Hey, yeah. go over here and get these. This is this is the new thing. Right. So there wasn't enough of that, but anyway, we'll we'll see how this stuff shapes up. I wonder if we'll have any. That's frustrating. I'm frustrated by that. And it's I don't know. <laughs> There's like a I lot said. of things that don't make sense. But if there are regions, though, and you got to imagine, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. There's got to be some place where there's whole communities, maybe a whole county. That's upside down and delinquent with no, you know, they have that glut of inventory thing that we had where there's no real end in sight. And this is the, you know, one of one of very few tools they could deploy to try to help people. Um, maybe it helps in those places. Let's hope so. Yeah. And, you know, and if not, then you end up like everyone else where it just you're going to have to fire sale all the crap for as dirt cheap as possible until finally people go, really? You're going to you're going to sell that house that you couldn't even build for 400 grand for 200,000? Oh, I'll take two. Um, that's where all the investors came from. You know, they came out to buy in that period. Um, interestingly enough, I clipped another little piece of an article today that was talking about um how Chinese investors are, are losing interest 
in the American market right now. The real estate um, market? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And um, you so there heard, was a lot of talk he, that they were big buyers right at the, the bottom. So one of the things that um, was brought up in this article that I guess I was unaware. I mean, and obviously I don't go read all this stuff. I don't. I guess I don't care enough about it. But if a Chinese investor funds a development that creates U.S. jobs, they're given a green card. And so there's that's a big part of it. I mean, if you're in China and you're sitting on a bunch of bucks and you're like salivating a, what's across the pond, that's a great way. If you come over here and create some jobs, that's kind of your ticket to entry too. Um, so that was part of it. Um, but they were the ones that were paying a lot of cash. Most of the most of the speculative investments that the the Chinese investors made in markets across the U.S. were cash based, and that's what a lot of people were competing with. Was oh well, you want to buy it, and you want to get a loan, but we got these guys lined up over here to pay cash for it. Um, so, anyways, they were they won a lot of bidding wars and scooped up a lot of property, and evidently that sentiment is changing quite a bit. Um, and one of the reasons cited is that um, affordability in the market is uh, under fire. And there's a metric that's tracked, and it's the median house price to the median income ratio, which today sits at four and a half, four point six times. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the high of that ratio during the housing bubble was five times. So housing was five times the median income. Um, and the typical historical average is 3.2 to 3.6 times. So the, now we're kind of pushing. I mean, and not, I, I hate using terms like the bubble or whatever because I, I think it sort of incites some um, fear that I'm not positive is warranted. But this is one of the things you can look at where – um, is there a tipping point where housing just gets to a point where wages haven't really kept up and now the average income is so far out of touch with buying the average house that you, again, I think what happens is you change sentiment where people just start going, ah, I'm not going to. And when it's yeah. that high up to the top, then that's where you would begin to experience more of people losing interest. And so then property sitting on the market longer and then reducing to be competitive. And it sort of starts that change in the whole, you know, the way people view real estate. And I'm not at all suggesting um, that that's not going to end up happening. But, um, you know, it's just an interesting read that realtors across the West Coast have said that the the Chinese demand has um, just dropped off like crazy. Um, and the, uh, you know, that's part of it. But then also that desire to have the dollar dominated asset is just no longer um, the big, big driving force for them. So, um, kind of interesting it is yeah i was as i was driving in this morning and hearing yet another commercial on the radio for you know some seminar to teach you how to flip homes yeah it got me thinking again was... about 
about you know when it's on the tv when yeah, it's on the right? radio and now they have so they have lots of tv shows on on hgtv about different types of you know fix and flip type of stuff or oh, yeah. buy a fixer upper to, to live in and you know there's some cool shows cool ideas but now there's a, even a show where it's like flips gone wrong oh <laughs> and there's you know this commercial on the radio that i heard for a for a flipping seminar is different from another one um, this was a, a, a one guy who has TV show on HGTV. Then there's the the husband and wife couple who've done seminars in this area as well. I mean, are these are these indicated? Are these red flags that um, maybe we are kind of getting near the top? And this is this is the and question house obsessed that I pose to are we house to Wes. obsessed. <laughs> I. I mean, we I'd, want to be entertained by it now, too. It's not just yeah. enough that it's our shelter and our biggest investment. Well, it's a lottery ticket that people can actually win, you know? But you can people also have lose. one. The people have won. When and you, the chances are better than your one in 10 million or whatever the lottery is. When you said flips gone wrong, I had to kind of laugh a little bit because a flip can go wrong in any economy. <laughs> right. Right? I mean, if you, you, so you're like, oh, yeah, this is a good price per square foot and all it needs is like a little bit of lipstick. You don't have to watch very many of these shows to know that there's always something. There's always something. <laughs> and they go, and the, the guy that like is up for the, um, you know, the win or lose on the actual dollar side, because there's the contractor guy, and they're rarely the same guy. Even if it's like Chip, the real, real helpful guy, he uses a lot of people that do a lot. Um, but yeah, it's like, oh, hey, boss, bad news. Uh, we we peeled open this wall over here and no nah, there's there's problems you know <laughs> we found that the foundation is crumbled or there's like a geyser under the floor we got to redo all the plumbing and electrical yeah the <laughs> electrical stuff is shot we're gonna have to drag new wires to the entire yeah. house um it, it, there's always these things that kind of go wrong um so yeah you you could have flip gone wrong anywhere it's always shockingly inexpensive on the tv shows too oh it's only three thousand dollars to rewire the entire house yeah that's not no i don't feel like that's a you're in a place they're, they're flipping in markets where labor is like 10 bucks an hour yeah. or something <laughs> yeah kind of crazy but yeah i think of the same thing because I, I doubt it. I always I like to attribute a lot of things to Warren Buffett that I doubt he says, but I feel like it was him that said something like, "When it's on the TV and on the radio and everywhere the craze, that's where like investors know it's gone wrong and it's time to just go, wow, yeah, we need to cool off of this." Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to see some of the same red flags. Like you, you know, we have the flipping things and all that, and then we've got this. Um, home price to income ratio, which is approaching the bubble high. So that's kind of interesting. But there's a whole host of reasons that I can suggest that are different from the bubble time as well. Oh, of course. Um, especially on the lending side that I think protect us against a big crash like that. But I do think that it's a red flag towards, you know, possibly a plateauing of appreciation, um, which isn't necessarily a red flag as long as you can afford your home. But it's kind of disappointing when your home's not continuing to go up in value. I want to tell you this. Yesterday afternoon at 4.30, I went and looked at a house with Wes in a Tascadero, and it was a, it was a new listing that caught my eye. I just wanted to, to go see it. and um, Anyway, 
He told me as he was opening the door to this house that this market is insane, red hot. And in the last couple weeks, it seems to have gone like into a crazy, crazyville. This new listing. So like I told you, we looked at two houses the week before mm -hmm. of which one of them went pending the or not pending. Sorry. They were countering an offer the day it was marketed. And they basically warned us, you're probably wasting your time going and looking at it because we're countering an offer. But by all means, you know, go. Um, both of those houses now, to my knowledge, are off the market. Wow. Um, this one that we looked at yesterday, they had appointments. It was by appointment only. So we had a 430 appointment, which was one of the only remaining appointments. And there was appointments, he said, back to back to back to back to back. As people were going, um, just couldn't get enough of, of what's out there. And... I mean, when he says that the, the market's like white hot gone crazy in the last couple of weeks, that's where it's hard for me to imagine that um, we are nearing that plateau because as long as that's the case, it's just going to keep keep going. Maybe only a year. I don't know. I mean, that's um, kind of where we're, where all the latest readings have suggested we're about 6%. Yeah. So, I mean, we've definitely declined in the appreciation rate. It's crazy though. But yeah, I I too it's I mean crazy. I don't see anything like a bubble occurring. I I really don't. Not yet. I, I mean just... Yeah, not yet. I mean, I could see that if this does stay the course for two or three more years, I could see us go through an extended period of flat or slightly declining right exactly of a percent or two a year while it's just kind of like yeah uh, if you own a house around while here incomes catch up yeah we need incomes to catch up we yeah. need that that price to income ratio to get back to the well, historical it'll be norm. 2020 before our <coughs> lowest paid employees are making 15 bucks an hour so maybe <laughs> by that's, then the median home price let's will be line that up $1. as <laughs> the point of intersection right there um guys it's time for a commercial break here we spaced out and talked right over the first one i guess so not the first time probably won't be the last <laughs> What probably, do you, probably not. What do you have to do with this like <laughs> aborted commercial break that you've like put up and then we <laughs> didn't do it? I just take it out and you know just throw it away. Oh my god! Just goodness. goes bye bye. Seems like such a waste. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's do this. Let's sneak an extra one in next hour because technically, the people that pay us to advertise yeah. have do they do so because there's enough. Um, right playings of their commercial yeah we're so talking through this commercial break about now. how we talked through our last commercial no, no, break. we have <laughs> look at the clock we actually uh, technically by my watch we have about 50 seconds before we have to do it all right yeah. so let's electively do it a little early yeah okay so let's electively uh <laughs> all right just <laughs> stick around go ahead guys and do the after, fire button here after this short break for more mortgage matters don't go anywhere keep it locked to mortgage matters on kvec news talk 920 to ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Our loans are not trucked in from some big bank. They're raised right here on the Central Coast. No hormones, no GMOs, no antibiotics. Call today and get your gluten-free mortgage from a caring lender that knows you only accept the best for your family. Just call Central Coast Lending. Just call 543 Loan Central. 
Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328358. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. channels but uh, he did this with this little like synth kind of midi keypad thing yeah it's pretty cool yeah. he, was, he was choked up mm-hmm. that's pretty crazy Prince only 57 yeah there's some speculation that it's regulated but some speculation that it's not I mean he was like sick a lot a couple of weeks before when I heard that he was like or something so who knows? I yeah. hate. I hate. By the way, that if anybody dies young anymore, the first thing is everybody just says that it's drug related. Yeah, I don't know about that. I and mean, if you're a musician to, yeah. and you die, you could be like a hundred and you die, and they're like, "Oh, yeah. it must have been drugs." <laughs> yeah. Or sounds, a musician I, dies when they're eighty, and they're like, "It's a wonder he made it that long, being a drug addict." Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, yeah I don't know about that. We'll we'll find out. But there's speculation. I mean speculation but you know he was a sick a 2016 lot, gonna go down in like before. as some crazy year where like so many music amazing icons, musicians yeah. die yeah. i don't know merle haggard david, david bowie david bowie 
Yeah, I mean, crazy, huh? Yeah, it's yeah. I I hope not. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like um, what's that? What do they call it? the twenty sevens or something? The oh, uh, the threes. No, no, the 27s. It's like the famous singer musicians that oh, all died okay, when okay. they're 27. Yeah, Jimmy Hendrix, Janis Joplin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, An uncanny amount of them. Yeah. So like if you're if you're an iconic musician that's 27, uh-huh. you just got to thank God that night you're like turning 28. That you <laughs> <Yeah>. survived <laughs> it. <laughs> and now if this year if you're an iconic musician. Of course, you'll get really drunk. Music, <laughs> You're like, you know what? Tonight I'm walking on the inside of the the sidewalk on the street here. And I think we're going to take a train instead of a plane to the next show. This seems like a tough year. Mm -hmm. Crazy, crazy. So before the last break, we were talking about the crazy market that is Slow County. I had already forgotten. And uh, my mom sent me a text during the break. And said she has a friend in my old childhood neighborhood of Natomas, California, suburb of Sacramento. And she said a friend of hers put her house for sale in the last couple of weeks. And after the first showing, received 18 offers and five of them over asking. Yeah. Okay. And this isn't like the posh neighborhood of Sacramento. No, honestly... (laughs) I'm telling you, I know I repeat myself a lot, and I'm sure people get tired of me saying this, but you can't not build homes for seven or eight years, whatever it was, and expect to find equilibrium after that for a while. I mean, where? how long does it take? Prior to the bubble, we were building 1.5, 1.6 million homes a year. Something like that. Selling at a 800, 900 million clip a year. So seven years, let's just call it a cool... Seven million homes that would have sold as new home sales that didn't. Didn't. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, those homes happen to be, you know, a fair amount of them happens to be in the areas where... Um, it's affordable and slightly less less desirable, but people go there for the opportunities. So around here, um, when you remove that uh, competition, that draw, where you know, I think it only drives up things like that. I mean, we don't build. San Luis County certainly isn't building anywhere near a million homes a year. I mean, we, we no. don't build a million homes in a lifetime around here. So, you know, it's. That's it. So yeah, if if the healthy balance, like what the economy was used to absorbing in that period was 7 to 10 million homes and we didn't build them, how long at the current clip, which isn't exceeding that, right, due to limited land, expensive labor and construction, the additional fees and permits and environmental reviews and all the things that we've we've made it even harder and harder to make an affordable product in that field. Um, so what? Do, do we have to build two million a year now just for three and a half or four years to catch up? That ain't gonna happen. So that's the part of it. I mean, I I go I I can have these conversations both ways about, you know, that 
when does it cool off and when does it not? When I start down this line of thinking about how underserved the housing community is, then I start looking at what it takes to catch up and I start going, yeah, I don't, I don't see an end in sight. I just don't. And you say people can't afford them. I get that. I see that. Um, in that you said in the Thomas there, uh, and that's a, a Metro, right? It's like part of Sacramento. Yeah. It's a suburb. It's the West. So there's some employment there. Yeah, definitely. Um, and 18 people fighting each other to overpay for the house. Right. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Um, and, and to me, that's telling that there aren't a lot of other good options. And agreed that at some point, less and less people can afford these homes. Yes, I agree. But don't forget that when this recession started and the high school graduating class of 2007 or 2008 was fresh out of school, those guys like our lawyers and doctors and dentists and engineers, they're, um, they've been out, they've been teaching, you know, they they're they're in their careers now making money um so somewhere along the way these people can't afford it that's why there was 18 offers on that house yeah you know yeah and i that's another thought that i was having is that you know even though it's unaffordable to a lot of people in a lot of a lot of areas buying a home when you have 18 people lining up there's always one of those people that makes a little bit more money than the others and that's the person that's going to be or, willing to bid just a little bit higher. Or that got an inheritance or a gift, yeah. has some family yeah. support, has a dad that, um, you know, the pharmaceutical stocks did so good that he's able to, you know, contribute on or be part of it. it it's amazing when you look at these individual cases of who can afford the homes anymore. Um, you look at it and you go, yeah, that makes sense to me. You can afford it and yeah. it's worth it for them. So, uh, you know, again, if it's, it's one of those supply and demand things. And when the supply is so low that now you're shaking out sort of the elitists of who can buy and folks, those lines aren't getting any shorter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's the thing. That's the, that's the argument. That's the why not a bubble. That's the why, as we do press into that, um, you know, kind of high watermark of the affordability, um, or may maybe I should say low watermark, affordability feels more like a drought recently. There's still people there that can make it fly. Mm -hmm. So I don't see it going down anytime soon for those reasons. California reported, or CoreLogic, sorry, CoreLogic, a data, real estate data compiler um, in they, they've come out with some numbers for California for March showing that the median home price in the state of California is 415000 Um It's up 5.1% from the previous March. So again, a little bit of a decline in the year-over-year -year appreciation figure. I think last reading was um, was in the f a little over 5.5%. Now we're at 5.1% appreciation. Um, and it's the highest median home price sitting at 415 since November of 2007. I was, while you were talking, I pulled up the Department of Numbers, California uh, income. Mm -hmm. 
So first of all, um, and, and this from 2014, so I guess... Department of what? It's the Department of Numbers. I mean, it's just a... It's, it's, um, numbers. Did you say Department of Income? It's not a government <laughs> I want to work in that department. Depart- <laughs> department of Numbers is tracking the income um, numbers for California uh, as it relates to the U.S. as well. And these figures are from 2014. Um, I suspect because there's some drag on it, right? Maybe they're just even using tax returns or something to figure out. Uh, but anyway, the the average U.S. income for 2014 was fifty three thousand six hundred fifty seven dollars. Fifty three, it's rounded up fifty four k. California, that's average household income. Yeah, the real median household income. And in California, for the same period, 2014, we're talking 61.9, so $62,000 for a household. So when you go so five and say that the median home price is what 440, you say 415, 415 for the state of California with an average. So let's call it yeah, 415 for the house, 60,000 for the income. That's five grand a month. If you had no other payments and you made 60 grand a year. That's $5,000 a month. So a 50% debt to income ratio would put you at $2,500 a month available for home payment um, and all like credit related bills. Uh, you're close. You could buy that home. You could, you close. At current interest rates. Yeah, at current, and you're close. It's cutting it real close. If you have, if you had a, a 5% <clears throat> down payment and you got a Fannie Mae loan, you're probably paying about two grand a month all in. Yeah, but if you have a car loan, I think you know you're you're pushing it probably out. Car loan and some credit cards, you're and pushing a lot of that people, yeah, a lot of people are you know have student loans or they've got credit card or we'll see, you know, even people that aren't real credit users, like they're not living on the American Express card or whatever. But we see people that they have care credit, right? Like the dentist bill or the whatever um the things we see most commonly are student loans you know and it's not like you see a student loan that's a hundred dollar a month payment it's like you see 10 student loans on there that are each like 80 to 150 bucks a month yeah they're crazy yeah um and and by the way as long as we're on the topic let me tell you because that most commonly um the people that are marginal in qualifying almost always have a car payment yep almost always and i realize that this is kind of a it's a it's a problem here um so for everybody listening today let me let me get on my so expensive for the amount of debt finance well they're expensive right and then they're um depreciating so if you get on, if you get yourself on that hamster wheel of getting a car loan, it's really hard to get off of that because by the time the car is paid for, it's almost it's almost worthless or it's the the trade in for the next car. And by the way, I see more and more young people showing up with leases than I ever saw before because those are somehow more affordable. But um, it's not uncommon if somebody goes you know to a dealership and buys a Toyota. We'll see toy I see Toyota payments for four, five, six, seven hundred dollars a month all the time. They're very expensive. Uh, great car and everything, right? Everybody loves Toyota known for their long lasting dependability. They even retain their values better than most cars in their classes. That being said, that five hundred dollar a month car payment is equal to a hundred thousand dollars worth of mortgage affordability. So 
Um, for all you guys that are out there, I know some of our listeners are young people that are, um, you know, wanting to buy a house, but don't know how to quite get on that path. Let me tell you one way to, to really, um, impede your ability to get on that path, get a car payment. Uh, this is a terrible idea. I, and I realize that some people feel like they have no other choice or whatever, but the car loan, bad, bad deal. And then others of our listeners, you're the, um, the middle agers that know that already it's fallen on deaf ears and you, you don't, uh, you don't even need that advice. Um, and then the other listeners here, I think, and this is an opportunity for both the middle agers and then the other folks, the closer to retirement age people who likewise qualification for a mortgage isn't a big deal to them anymore, but also the car payment thing isn't either. This is a great thing to counsel the young people in your life on those kids that are, you know, high school, college, right out of college, saddling yourself with a $500 a month. Um, car payment ends up to be a major financial setback in terms of being able to qualify for home. And I wish more people um, talked about that and knew that and considered that, especially because some of these car loans now are going for seven, eight, nine years. It's crazy, the terms of the car loans. And it's just in an effort to make it more affordable. You see those, you know, those romantic old car ads like where the Impala sold for $3,800. Um, today's Impala is like thirty eight grand. Yeah. And do you really need the brand new $30,000, $40,000 car? Or would the, mm -hmm. you know, 10-year-old Honda do you just fine? And it looks just <laughs> like the Malibu, and it looks just like, you know. But the car, cars. though, and, and and I don't, this might even just be a U.S. thing. I don't know. I was going to say a California thing, but I'm I'm venture to say for sure that's not true. We We identify with our car, right? Our car is an outward representation of our success of what we like to do in our off time, of our sense of style. It's all these things, and that's what lures us into and makes it romanticizes this thing about the car. But guys, you're gonna go get a $500 a month car payment, prevent yourself from being able to qualify from buying a house, and then at the end of that term, your car is worthless, your loan is finally paid off, and now you have to bite the bullet of saving money to buy a car cash, or buying a more affordable, more dependable car, like you said, a 10-year-old Honda or something. Um, that's just something I don't think is talked about enough. And by the way, how easy is it to get a car loan? If you've ever gotten one, you can like wander into any old car dealership and they'll about give you one because you're there. Um, it doesn't matter too much your income or your credit or your anything anymore. It's like... Oh, Some credit, main, no credit, bad credit. The main <laughs> qualifier for wanting a car loan is interest in a car loan. Um, so just food for thought. You know, if you if you have influence over young people um, or are trying to get yourself on a better track here to be able to qualify, um, the car loan is a big one. It's a really big one. Um, hey, we're getting down to the point here for the top of the hour break. So I want to remind you guys, we have a whole nother hour coming. Uh, we don't have any guests scheduled, so it's just going to be more of the same the same great conversation. <laughs> <here>. So call us. <laughs> more yeah. of the same. But if you guys have questions or want to talk about um, things like that or strategies, qualifications, programs, whatever, investment property, who's interested in learning about what it takes to become a landlord? Um, those are things we'll talk about next hour. So stick with us after this short break for more Mortgage Matters.
Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. All right, everybody, welcome back. If you're just joining us, how come I can't hear me in my... Hello, hello. Hey, I, I hear, hear you. I hear you oh, now. now. I, I moved in all those spray, you know, commercials and stuff, and I forgot to put that in. Oh, good. Okay. There it is. So but we, got, we got your now. local sponsors in there, you know, Patterson cool. Realty, the great State guys Farm over there, State Insurance. Farm, Blakesley and Blakesley. <laughs> yeah. Some guys over there at Central Coast Landing, I don't know who they are. They're pretty awesome. Yeah. Great. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah, cool hats, too. There it is. Very cool <laughs> hats. <laughs> oh, man. We are kind of the envy on the softball field. Yeah. Guy gets to second oh, base yeah. in our game on Wednesday, and he's like, did you guys get new hats? Yeah. 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 No big deal. Just like the pros. Show just like wing. The, just like what the pros were. Wayne's world there, you know. Yeah, no, I, I picked Show up wing. on that. Yeah. Yeah, no big deal. Um, hey, we were talking about... Median home prices. Um, I had another clipping here about home rents. So for the people you're, who don't you're own moving homes. me on. You're moving me on, though, because I wanted to share with you um, the real historical median income as reported by departmentofnumbers.com. <laughs> I thought we already said it was 60000 in California. Can I just read you some numbers, though? Sure. I just like real numbers. fast. Yeah, let's hear it. And you're going to have to pay attention now, okay? So if you're at home, look at your speaker while I'm talking to you. <laughs> 2005. This is California. 65,000. I'm leaving off the dollars because I want to move along, okay? I'm going to round the way they taught us in first grade. You know, that like six or higher goes up to the next number, right? In the hundreds. 2005. 65 grand. 2006. 66 grand 2007 68 grand Ooh. 2008 67 grand uh-oh going the wrong way yeah high water mark looks like it was 07 2009 65 10 62 11 60 12 60 13 61 14 62 I realize this is radio and you don't have the opportunity to see what I would like you to be able to see. So I just want to tie it together. 2005 was 65 grand and 2014 is 62 grand. The high water mark happened to be 68 and 07. That's what wages have been doing amongst this wild real estate ride. So that was it. And so between... And were you going to tell me about rents now? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm also... Because there's a direct correlation there. That amounts... So from the highest number you said, which is 68, and the lowest number you said, which is 60, that's $8,000 a year, which is about 600 bucks a month. That 600 bucks a month adds affordability in home, like a, a mortgage of a about maybe 50 grand 600 bucks yeah that's because 100 grand well but that's total income you can only use half oh, of that okay, yeah. for a mortgage I'm so about you. 50 I'm grand in affordability 
Sure. That's what's been lost since the high water mark. Okay. Um, By the way, can you remember, you you probably, uh, did you buy your house in 2005? Three. Three. Okay. So you're you're out of this survey. Um, I was renting in 2005, and I remember where I was renting. Um, and I was renting a house in Los Osos that was your kind of typical 3 2, 1600 square foot in renter condition all around uh, through a property management agency for $1,500 a month. How much is that house rent for today? Two grand. At least. At least. I would. 2100. Yeah, I'm thinking 22 or 23. Um, we could do a quick survey of Craigslist to see the rentals that are out there, but. I've seen in Morro Bay, three bedrooms are going for that 2000 to 2200 Yeah. We've seen in South County, three bedrooms going for about 1800 So in an era where just from then to now, rents are more by as much as 25% and wages seem to be less by 2 or 3%. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's the, re- that's the, those are the ingredients we have here. Rents. Yeah. Tell March. me about them. Americans paid more for rent in March than they did prior. Believe it or not, the U.S. monthly rent rose a seasonally adjusted 2.6% in March from a year ago to nearly $1,400 a month. The feds have got to be so jealous. That's the kind of inflation they're trying to get that they just can't get. 2.6% just 2.6%. And the February over February year over year number was 2.5%. So the rate of rent increases is going up ever so slightly, but it's still going up. That's, um, yeah, it's making it hard. Yeah. By the way, those are other supporting factors for why home values don't take some big tumble. Because mm-hmm. rents are right there girding it up. Totally. I was talking with a friend of mine the other night and tried to tell me about how how my logic is flawed. And and by the way, I'll usually listen. I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'm not a uh, – I don't take criticism very well. I never have. Um, but this guy is trying to tell me that um, – there's a bubble in residential uh, value, residential real estate value. So really, um, what? let's look at this last little recession. What happened with rent? There was a really big disparity between rent and um, what your mortgage payment would be for the same house. There was. In 2005, that house that I lived in was like 500 grand. And at the time, with those, if you had to go buy that house, the rates in that era were 30-year fixed. After you made yourself a down payment, if you were going that conventional route, I mean, 30-year fixed, like, over 5%, 5.5%. 5. 6. 6%. Yeah. People were Seven. using seconds. <laughs> it was very common to get some sort of a a balloon-type second, like a... A 30 due and 15 type of amortization for a second, trying to make it more affordable. But those were interest rates. 13.99. Yeah, or 10.875. 10.875. Remember those? It was popular. Yeah, yeah it was really popular. <laughs> and, but it made, if you did all the math on it, it made that house like $3,300, $3,500 a month. 
and the rents were like fifteen hundred bucks. <clears throat> so you could only you could realize that a homeowner was like at their break point a lot of the time. Why was it worth it? Well, you know why it was worth it. These things were going up five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty percent a year, depending on your market. Yeah, you could lose a little monthly when you're going to make that windfall lose upon a little. sale. Give me that loan program where the I can pay 1% and like you'll just add it to my loan balance every month. Sign me up. So you had like you had homeowners that were like pretty frustrated at that, but it was all smoothed over by appreciation. As soon as the appreciation stopped, wait a minute. I, no, 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 no. This loan balance is growing? <laughs> I'm out. Well, what happened? Those guys that lost their houses, they, you know, they short sold, they had foreclosure, they had bankruptcy. Um, where'd they go? They became tenants. You know what happened in the rental market since then? It's been pretty busy. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a there's not a lot of trouble renting homes anymore either. Those guys with bad credit became tenants. And guess what happened to them? Their house payment went from three grand a month to rent that was fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred, two grand. They'll pay that. They were paying more than that for that thing that just collapsed in value and ruined their life. So we learned through that that the rental market in a major foreclosure driving recession real estate downturn that the rental market actually kind of gets a little bit of a shot in the arm during that period so now we're at this point where when you line it up like we're talking about that those by the way that same house out in los osos right now is probably still 500 grand five and a quarter maybe they sold in the low 300s during the, the total bottom. So you're genius if you bought one or two there. But um, it's back to 500 grand. And, you know, we we do this math all the time. It's like at the current interest rates, you're talking, you know, what, five or 600 bucks a month for every 100,000 you borrow. So you take a $500,000 house, the quick and dirty math says that payment is going to be somewhere around you know 25 to three grand a month depending on you know how much down and mortgage insurance and all that stuff and the rents 22 or 2300 that that margin is a lot smaller now the difference between the rent and the house payment so you got you have that setup where um you know not only is nothing changing with the home loan but the rents are are right up there where if somebody was thinking about letting their house go to foreclosure, they'd go, well, yeah, I could destroy my credit to save 200 bucks a month and become a renter. Man, most of us save 200 bucks a month off of our income taxes because we own that house. So then when you do that math, it like bumps right in where you're like, oh, okay, it's almost a wash. Thanks to high rent. <laughs> This, right? this article, as I'm looking at it a little more closely, it's pretty funny. It's it's talking about this 2.6% year-over-year increase in rents that that figure has moderated from previous years when oh, rents it's were slowing just down? skyrocketing. Uh -huh. Yeah. Directly correlated to foreclosures, I'm sure. Right. And unemployment and all that. So this is actually, they're suggesting a 2.6% increase in rents. should be happy about yeah, it. Yeah, is a, is a good number. Yeah. It's moderate. <laughs> You're only getting three spankings tonight. You used to get five. <laughs> be glad about that, boy. Oh, my gosh. Not good. <clears throat> so, yeah, what's the end? 
Do you see it? In slow, they talk about um, Cal Poly's going to build more and more. The Cal Poly's got a lot of plans right now, by the way. They, and they, they're getting some things going on. They want to add a lot more beds. They want to increase the minimum um, amount of uh, time that a student is required to live on campus. Currently, a, a brand-new freshman, like a just-out-of-high-school freshman, has to live on campus their first year. Cal Poly would like to see that get increased to two years and maybe even three years. There's a direct correlation between living on campus and going to class and then uh, progressing towards graduating. Groundbreaking news, I know. But if you leave campus your second year, you have a higher likelihood of like, you know, I don't know, you're getting sucked into playing Mario Kart and I don't know, not. Just not doing it, not not getting your stuff done because you're 19 and you got a little taste of freedom. So anyways, Cal Poly does that. They keep adding beds and they keep requiring their students stay on campus longer. Does that change the landscape and slow at all? Uh, maybe it takes a little bit of the load off. I mean, what's slow? It will help ease demand. Slow's like 1100 bucks a bedroom right now in a rental. Yeah. What about the parent, the kids that have family that live here? Yeah. They're in San Luis, <laughs> Pismo. Some of the kids actually have family. And they live at home here. and don't pay dorm fees or rent or exactly. whatever. Yeah. Are they going to require? I don't know. I, I find it hard that I imagine, they can require anything. Yeah, I imagine there... there's probably some sort of petition to where you don't have to. Yeah. But um, I mean, for some are... reason adults you know they're over the 18 yeah. and they pay to go to this college it I, seems like right, they should exactly. be able to pick where they live i graduated yeah, exactly. from cal poly i transferred into cal poly you did too um so i never lived on campus nor did i but they want you there that first year though right i mean the people that were they had a meal plan you had like some mustang bucks or something and you had to, to go somewhat attractive yeah. eat down at the buffet line but mm. it, but though Right, wrong, or otherwise, it's a little bit of a desire to control. Right. Okay. Yeah. It, probably. It shapes well, keep the their graduation rates high and yeah. That kind well, of that's thing. important too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I'm sending my kid to school, I, I do. I I'm happy that the college is wanting to make every possible thing they can to keep the kid on track and focused and that kind of thing. I get it. Mm -hmm. But so yeah, in slow that might that might change a little bit. That might take a little bit of the heat off the the. You know, living right there at Cal Poly, um, it might not, too. I mean, I heard some suggestion that when Cal Poly opened up the um, Poly Canyon dorms up there, that that rents, that there was a noted um, sort of, uh, I don't know, additional housing available or things were available a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. But, man, you know, slow. It's not... But then they just increase the amount of kids that can go. Yeah, to Cal Poly. and they're continuing on that path. You know, that's it's a yeah. business, and they're trying to grow their business also. Right. And of course, Cal Poly now has this new, or not Cal Poly, but San Luis has this new rental inspection ordinance. We had a caller during the break that wanted us to talk a little bit about the ordinance and fees, and uh, perhaps even address the constitutionality of this thing. Um, what I, I I'm sorry, but what I thought was interesting a few years ago, and I'm not going to mention the former president's name, <laughs> Cal Poly, 
but bought a four or $500,000 house and then needed $60,000 for a housing allowance. Sure. Really? Oh, I bought, well, now I'm sorry, maybe he bought more than a, that kind of a house, but his salary is four or $500,000 a year. Sorry, I got yeah. the figure wrong there. And he needs $60,000 well, for a housing allowance. I right. think I can, you know. You know really? where the um, <laughs> a solid income when yeah. you go <laughs> to so. afford yeah. it, yeah. right? I, so. I mean that's part. Yeah. But at the same time, though, you you got to get what's yours because you look around. Um, if there's housing allowances or stipends or whatever that are part of the compensation package for the deal, especially if you're being offered that to go somewhere else or something. I mean, I yeah, by all means, get after it. That's an interesting thing at Cal Poly, by the way, a state school where. Um, I don't even know what the tuition is now, but I've heard it's like double or triple or quadrupled from when we went to school there just, I don't know, yesterday. When was that? <laughs> it's getting longer ago now. Yeah. Do you still feel like you wake up? Oh my gosh, I forgot a final. No, <laughs> it's been a while. I don't have, <laughs> I don't have that sensation, but if I'm not careful, uh, like at first pass, I still feel like the nineties were 10 years ago, you know, <laughs> every now and again, I see a car and I was like, Oh, when I was in high school, I was a cool car. And I'm like, eh, it's kind of impressive. That thing's still on the road and it's kind of in good shape. That's like a 30 year old car now, you know? <laughs> It's a trip. That's it. The the things that are joining these gray hairs on the sides of my head. Um, yeah, the rental inspection ordinance actually came up a couple times for us last week because we have some clients that are looking to buy rental property in San Luis. Wes mentioned that there are some people that are just like, screw it, I'll sell it. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. He was saying that a lot of people don't want to deal with it. They're it's a rental they just want to and it was like it. fine and now with a new fee and a new ordinance and perhaps some maintenance exactions or something it's like you know what i'll just sell it and part of that is because the house is once again worth what it was 10 years ago and there's a lot of people that have been waiting a long time for that been waiting 10 years for that um so it's kind of a, a perfect storm kind of timing but i mean that being said to some degree i get it and if one of you guys wants to take up the position of arguing for this ordinance, um, I'm not going to argue for it. I just, it, to me, it suggests that their existing plan or program for code enforcement isn't adequate there or something, because that's really what this is aimed at, right? It's making sure that these residential rental units are up to code. I mean, that's one big component of it. And so so there's a problem with their current code enforcement. Maybe they need to revisit their current code enforcement and just revamp that. I mean, I don't see why they have to institute this whole other thing where they're charging landlords for inspections and stuff. It does seem, I mean, it, it seems odd to me that there's like, I mean, it's kind of like an illegal search and seizure. Right? We're talking, that's, that's where the constitutionality comes in. Uh, know, I would, that. I, I actually kind of, but I, I, I think more simply, I'd say it's an invasion of personal property. If I own property, I own real property and it's my little dashed line around my piece of property that goes like, you know, it's kind of fun when you're a homeowner, you lay on your bed at night and think in the history of the world. You now own this section of earth. Yeah. You think you should be able to do what you want there. 
Well, that's why I bought it. Yeah. Right? Because nobody can tell me what to do what within color reason. I can paint my house. Within reason. What kind of flowers and, and, I can plant or whatever. And by the way, one I think one of the primary things that I expect out of the government is to preserve my property rights and at the same time keep me and others safe from somebody doing something egregious. Right. If you're going to start some smelting operation where you're cooking off lead into the air right next to me in our residential neighborhood, I expect my government to come in and take care of that. Um, I, I definitely do. Uh, so that's a, th that's a thing, a health and safety thing. Okay, I get it. So that being said, we're, we're in San Luis Obispo. If what you're gunning for is these poor college kids, right, that are don't have voices, they don't have the resources, they don't know how to help themselves, they don't know how to get themselves out of a bad situation. By the way, congrats on getting into one of uh, the most difficult to get into colleges in the nation, um, where you're obviously bright, uh, albeit young, but you're you're a bright guy, bright gal. Um, and now, sadly, you're here being um, manipulated and taken advantage of living in this like substandard housing where a slumlord who refuses to keep the most basic of health and safety standards met um, is threatening your safety. Uh, the, to me, there's some irony in that just to begin with. Um, but so why would somebody, be it students or whoever that live in San Luis Obispo as a tenant, why would you want this? Well, I lived in slow for years, even as a student and after being a student. And I had some situations with some landlords that I think was very fair. And I had to tolerate a, quite a bit of it because it's very difficult to go find another suitable replacement without like being homeless for some period of time, right? If you go challenge your landlord because the every single night the you know the t toilet backs up into the bathtub and you're cleaning this bathtub every single night um you go challenge that landlord uh, they might not renew your lease they might make you leave they you know at a minimum you're just making bad blood and there's nowhere else to go and all the while i still have to go to school or work tomorrow so that could be a tough thing. I get that, that you want to help that. But look at these unintended consequences. Wes even just said on the show last week that there are people that are saying, I've been a landlord here providing adequate housing for a long time. And due to this new ordinance, I'm going to close up shop. I'm going to sell my house. You know, the most likelihood is even over there by Cal Poly, you know what the highest likelihood is of those homes when they sell? It's going to become a new owner-occupied residence. That's going to put a bigger pinch on available rental housing. It's going to drive up cost as that demand goes down. You add this program, you add these fees, guess where those fees are going to go? They'll pass the, through to the renter and make it more expensive. Of course they are. I, I, I have these vivid memories. Um, there was a house on Loomis that I really wanted to, to rent. It was available for rent. And, um, you know, I'm not a smart guy, but I, I know how to, um, how to present myself in a situation uh to win so i would go to these things at the time you know and I, I was married then i'm married now 
I I went there and I would say, hey, here you go. I had a folder with a cover sheet and my resume, my credit report, and my bank statements. And I handed them this package and said, I, you know, I'm Jason. This is my wife, Melanie. We are hoping to stand out in this crowd as, you know, we're not partying and doing all the things probably that single people are doing. We're a little bit more stable. We really want your house. Uh, we do great by it. You know, here's some pictures of how our living room looks in our current house. Just to set ourselves aside. That was so necessary because they would say, I remember this house on Loomis. They said, well, you, I call them up. I, I really mentioned in your house. Can I come see it? Yeah. Saturday at 10. I don't know what to expect. I thought I was going over there at Saturday at 10. I was going to walk through with the manager or owner. After Saturday at 10, there was 40 other people there. They had a table set up with a stack of applications and they charged every single one of them $28 to run their credit. And I walked up there and was like, oh my God, this is, this is the real deal. This is how rental housing goes in slow. So you mean to tell me we shake out some of the rentals by making people lose interest and sell, or we add additional fees and all of a sudden it's going to clean up some of this stuff. I don't think that it is. I don't think that it's ultimately helping the tenant the way that it should, um, and don't even get me going down that other route of if I'm a broke college kid that is just struggling um, and I found a uh, f a den or a converted garage where instead of paying $1,100 a month, I can pay three or four three hundred and share the garage with three other people. I realize technically <laughs> this is a I might walk do it. You know, I realize technically this is a walk in closet, but. It's big. I mean, it, <laughs> my big twin bed, my bed fits in it, and I don't have a lot of other needs. And the dude that is paying, you know, fifteen hundred bucks a month for the master in the room is letting me pay four hundred bucks a month for the walk-in closet. I'm a, I'm a student trying to make this thing work in San Luis Obispo. I don't need. I don't need the city to protect me from myself in this situation. So I, the whole thing kind of just trips my me out. My first. My first place that I rented in San Luis Obispo in 1999 was a six foot wide by 18 foot long storage room um, with a con with concrete walls and a and a big like four by four swinging door to the outside that wasn't insulated or anything. Can you imagine being that that owner that saw his parking you know his garage come down? Well, I was like, that's, that's yeah, that's oh that's unrelated. No one's that's renting to five hundred people. <laughs> no, no one's doing that. Sorry. But yeah, I mean, I rented a room that it was a storage closet, but I painted it, I dressed it up as best I could, I made it look like a bedroom, and it was comfortable to me, and it was most importantly affordable to me because I was paying the rent. Yeah, no was, one was giving me an allowance to pay my rent. I, I was worked say, while I went to school, and I paid my rent on my own, and it was affordable to me. I and I made it the best it could. I haven't heard you called a lot of things, <laughs> um, and uh, I think knowing you, you'd stand up for most anything somebody called you. But if somebody called you frugal or a Tightwad or what? I mean, you would you wouldn't debate these things. So no. that's a good that's a good um, opportunity for you to be able to save some money and make 
life a little bit easier, right? Yeah, yeah I'd it, still have a little bit of cash to have some fun right. because well, I wasn't have, spending well, it all on rent. You didn't have to have a second job. <laughs> well, yeah, I, right? well, one was plenty. While going <laughs> yeah. to school and doing all these yeah. things. Or, well, you know, I mean, look, dominating headlines for the last forever now is student loans and how much, how it sucks that we're straddling all this youth with student loans. Well, you know what? I'll tell you this firsthand. You know where a lot of my student loans went? Rent. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that was a big expense for us. It was a that was a number to contend with. And and consequently, um, like I said, Melanie and I were married before we went to college and both of us graduated from Cal Poly. We had roommates almost the entire time. Um, even when I'm just sitting here thinking I would have bunked up in my six by 18 foot storage closet if that would have saved me even more money. Yeah. <laughs> it's less than ideal yeah. Yeah. Like for us to have roommates and stuff. You don't want to have to do that. But if it took my house payment and cut it in half, um, that just, again, it, it just allows you a, to borrow less, go into less debt, but also to, you know, maybe have a little bit of, uh, free time or spending money or something. So, this inspection thing, I, I get it. I just wish, I think it could have been done in a better way. Like, for example, advertise the heck out of a wee tip line. You, you're a tenant that has, you know, you're in a room where there's mold. Yeah, we want to hear from you. And we get it. And we, we're prepared to come out and, you know, do something where the landlord can't throw you out or there's some sort of a program where, you know, they Robin hood some money from the landlord while they mediate the mold problem and, and take care of you or put you up somewhere else. There's something that can be done if there's egregious health and safety violations. And I shouldn't even say egregious. If there are legitimate health and safety violations, by all means, let's, let's do better at taking care of that but to go blanketly create a process for the inspection at fee for everybody in the in every house in slow that has a tenant occupied residence i think is absolutely nuts and mm -hmm. to me it just speaks to the bigger picture here is that we keep asking our government to regulate more, do more, oversee more. And it, and with that comes the fees and it comes these things that I think are a violation of personal property rights. But, you know, that that's just me. I mean, I, I, I know that I generally am resistant to this kind of stuff pretty quick. So, um, we got to take a break. And I, yeah, and I get real opinionated real fast. Really? Yeah. We got to take real. a break. We've had a couple callers call in with questions. Uh, the number's 543-8830. If you'd like to share your thoughts or opinions or ask a question, 543-8830. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical. Like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state. State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. 
Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. As mortgage experts, we can help you refinance your home or investment property. We can lower your rate, shorten your term, or get rid of your mortgage insurance. Don't miss the opportunity to improve your financial situation. Call Central Coast Lending today. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Dan said 1999. Perfect. I have a... Looky there. We only have like 22 minutes to go. This would be a good time to mention too, because I know some people like to plan their their, um, lives a week in advance. You're not going to be here next week, right? right, Dan? Right. So for those loyal listeners that only listen because Dan <laughs> is in here. Yeah, for the two of you. To plan, <laughs> plan your trip. Give yourself more credit, Dan. Does your mother listen on the days that you're not yeah, on the show? She's a I, know, I know she listens when you're here. Oh, I think so. Yeah? I don't. Yeah, I think so. I found out recently that my mom listens quite a bit, too. And I was like, really? And she's like, well, I don't get to see you and I miss you. And it's I get, get to hear your voice. It's yeah. kind of like visiting. Yeah. Hey, all right. It's like you're a nerd too, mom. One of no, the, she's not. I'm at my uh, kids' baseball game last week, and one of the guys comes up to me, and he's like, oh, "I was listening to your show today until uh, my son made me turn it off." <laughs> so yeah, this program doesn't appeal to kids very much. <laughs> We don't have nearly enough stuff for kids. So maybe we should start to mix some of that in so that we can bring those kids into the, you know, the financial talk circles. Yeah, so Dan won't be here next week. We're going to have Mike Points, I think, is doing the show with me. And he's got some guests scheduled. So that'll be great fun. And uh, 
Yeah. What are you going to do with your day off? Just work at the house? <laughs> I am heading up to what? Oakland. Leaving? I'm going to go see the A's play a baseball game. Then I'm go, going to visit my, uh, my cousin in Santa Cruz. Sweet. Yeah. Going on a road trip. I was putting together a loan yesterday for a mobile home that was right outside Lake Almanor. Oh, yeah? And then a couple days before that, I'm part of a fishing message board thing for the Central Coast. Mm -hmm. And somebody was talking about fishing in Lake Almanor. Hmm. And I never even heard of Lake Almanor before you talked about your cousins that lived in Lake Almanor. Yeah. Weird. Well, they've now moved to Santa Cruz, and so I'm going to visit them. They didn't sell their house in Lake Almanor yet? No, not yet. Not a very active real estate market. Right. Turns out there's not a lot of jobs up there, so... Unless, of course, they're selling a mobile home over there. It's, yeah. It's probably... Well, this guy's <laughs> actually refinancing it. Well, it's one of those areas where you work for a few months out of the year, and then the snow gets so crazy that everyone collectively goes to the unemployment office, and then they live on unemployment. So there's just not a lot of income opportunities up there. It's hard to live up there. Well, and if it hasn't sold yet, it's overpriced. So let them know that because you, you can you can just lower your price until somebody goes, "Duh, I'll buy that." Right. Um, there was a couple of other little snippets here that I wanted to talk about quickly. This this last week, we got another read on housing starts and building permits. I guess it ties into today's conversation pretty well, given that we've been talking about inventory and prices and, and basically these um, this real shortage of supply. And so one of the potential solutions here is to keep looking towards building new homes. Um, those starts are the actual, I mean, it's just like it sounds, starts is like when that shovel hits the dirt and gets ready to build it. And then permits are uh, an indicator. It's a leading indicator of the projects to come. Um, so housing starts in the U.S. fell in March to 100 and or I'm sorry, 1,089 from an upwardly really revised 1194 in February. So that's not good. You don't want to see those numbers going backwards. Um, so we broke ground on less homes than before. And then likewise, building permits were also weak, um, a little bit further than uh, we would like to see. They track the regions here. Um, all four regions saw declines. The South fell 4.9%, and the Midwest fell 21.2%. Um, so anyways, just kind of a bummer there. The March reading for permits was at a one-year low. That's certainly not what you want to see for people coming out to pull permits right now. It ties into... Um, you know, the, the home builder sentiment permits, when you go forward to get your permits for projects like this, I mean, you're, you're oftentimes, depending on the scale of the project, you're usually somewhere between six and 36 months ahead of when you expect to break ground. So we really, we really cling to the permit numbers. They're almost more important than the starts to some degree. I mean, starts are good because it's the follow through of the permit process, but um, neither one of those were particularly good. Um, again, that's just more fodder for the argument that these supply side issues don't seem to have any resolutions um, on the horizon. 
Let's see here. Um, existing home sales? Existing home sales came out too. They were up more than expected, up 5.1%. Rebounded. Rebounded, yep. Rebounded. Because last month they dropped 7.3%. Yeah. And existing home sales, those are just the homes that are they're used homes. The year over year increase, because those are monthly, month to month uh, numbers, which can be more volatile. Um, the year over year rate for March is up just a percent and a half. Did you catch, um, it was incredibly boring, but the Fannie Mae 2016 Economic and Housing Outlook? Mm -mm. I read the. I read through that. It's more or less skimmed it. Um, it's kind of a snoozer. Um, 2016 won't change very much from last year is what they're thinking. I'm going to see basically more of what's been going on, which is um, short supply, short supply, increasing prices, and a little bit of decline in the volume of loan applications that come through. Hmm. Um, they said altogether that mortgage loan originators should see declines by about 9% of the total volume throughout 2016. Um, I don't, it, it, for those of you that are wondering, we don't expect to see a, a decline in our volume of business of 10% over the year. Companies like us, uh, this was all over the headlines over the last couple of weeks because bank earnings have been coming out and the bank earnings have been a little bit less than what the expectations were, largely due to losses in uh, energy-related loans. But um, it's in part to losing market share to companies like ours. We uh, continue to grab more and more market share competing with the big banks, uh, bringing to the streets loans that are cheaper um, and, you know, both in terms of the interest rates, but also the closing costs that are offered, um, which I thought, by the way, would be a pretty good time to kind of to touch on that a little bit, because um, I don't know that we talk too much about it. We try not to have this radio show just come off as a big, long infomercial for um, Central Coast Lending. I mean, at the core of it, the desire and goal of the show is to develop credibility with you guys where you could see that, um, you know, if nothing else, doing this show, um, you know, for the last 14 years. <laughs> how long have we done the show? It's been about eight years. Doing the show for the last eight years. Um, I've been here five or six wow. yeah it's you been guys were on a couple of years before me yeah and it's so it's been you know dan and i largely every week we do take a little bit of time off here and there for a wedding or a funeral or a holiday or something but the the two of us are in here and um i think you know obviously if you're paying attention that says a little something about the, our level of commitment to um, not only this but the business the industry this is what we do and we're very focused on it um you know, I'd have to almost agree that it's a it's a little bit more than a job. It's kind of a it's kind of a, a life mission. That being said, um, we come on the show in hopes to eh, kind of give you a little slice of our resume, let you know, you know, what how we think about things, what we think about things, um, and the fact that we pay such close attention to all this stuff so that we can keep our 
our company right on track to be competitive with what's out there, um, offering interest rates and closing costs that are lower than the competition, but also uh, the structure of our company allows us to be able to um, offer a whole variety of loan programs where um, it's it's real thing. and. I don't think any one client probably experiences that like in its most powerful way. I guess because of that, what I mean is um, there are all these different banks that we work with. Um, and some of them are banks that you could walk in and get a loan from. And, and a lot of them are banks that you can't. They don't offer that direct to consumer lending. They only work by way of intermediaries like us. Um, but these different banks, they all want different things. Um, believe it or not, we have one bank that we work with that does not want a loan application of somebody that has a credit score higher than 660. Their entire business model is focused around people with moderate to downright disgusting credit. And that literally is their entire business model. I mean, wrap your head around that. They say no to loan applications coming through the door where a borrower has an 800 credit score. Doesn't fit what they do. Um, now, there are other companies that draw the line at 660 being the low. If you're below 660, we don't want to deal with you. We don't like you. You don't handle your business. I don't care if it's going to be different this time. There's no amount of recovery from whatever your incident was. We only want the, the creme de la creme. We want 800 credit score borrowers, um, and we're willing to reward that book of business with these great low interest rates. Um, then there are companies that sort of, they go middle of the road on everything. They'll, yeah, they'll cater to that guy with the good low rate. Hop on in here. There's a seat for you. They'll cater with that person, the 620 credit score, which is kind of gross, but it's not in the 500s and your explanation makes sense. And so, yeah, you know, hop on in here. There's room for you. And they just sort of are mediocre at everything. Um, there are companies that we are approved to sell loans to that uh, love mobile home lending. In fact, that's all they do. They just want to loan on mobile homes. They understand it. They like it. It's good. Um, by the way, that's not very commonplace. Most banks say uh, mobile home is a property type for us. So our company is structured in a way. I mean, Dan and I own 100% of the company, and so we don't have a board. Uh, we don't have shareholders that are pushing us away from being able to offer the full variety of products and programs to be able to serve a clientele in its entirety. So what I mean, like I started this little rant by saying no one person ever really gets the full grasp of that. If you're that 800 borrower um, and you get a quote from us and get a quote from somewhere else, yeah, you're going to experience that our, our interest rate and fees are lower. Uh, that's because we have those outlets for you. If you've been turned down somewhere else because of property type, a credit issue, a low credit score, um, a high debt to income ratio, there's a whole variety of reasons why you might not be good enough for what one company's board determines is their suitable borrower. Um, we can help that guy. So that guy might feel it. But what I'm talking about is I can say with confidence that if you're lendable, we can do it. 
Uh, we've got those outlets. We've got those products. We like all those property types. We can figure out how to make it happen. Um, and this is why we're stealing market share from big banks, by the way, because we're nimble. We only get paid. How do you get paid, Dan? When loans close. Only <laughs> then. In other words, you get paid if you are 100% successful in your ability to find, recruit, attract, flag down off the freeway, whatever, meet somebody in an elevator, somebody that needs a loan, right? All the different ways that we, we find these people. You have to find <laughs> that person first of all. And then once you have them, you have to win any competition they might put you through. And you have to couple them into the product that not only meets their expectations in terms of interest rate and closing costs, but you got to do it on time. Then and only then, at when you are 100% successful in this entire endeavor, cradle to grave, you finally get to get paid. What does that mean about the kind of people that work for a company like ours? They're incredibly resourceful, incredibly resilient. They're very good problem solvers. They pride themselves in doing things that other people can't or don't want to do. Uh, it's really a very big difference. When you work for Wells Fargo, uh, you you know you're getting some kind of wage, and then they yeah sure they pay you commission on a loan you do, but it's a little bit less than you know commission you'd get if you went out and joined the you know a company like ours where again you get paid if you're perfectly successful. Um, so it's just different. It, they're they're not going to be as resourceful and as um, tenacious and uh, striving for success in the ways that we are. Um, and, and, you know, for all those reasons, it's a, it's why this, this company is a, is a really good fit. I think for everyone, whether you're a first time home buyer or, a, you know, buying your 10th investment property or whatever, wherever you fall on the spectrum, uh, it's, it's really a, a great thing for you to be able to check in with us. Let us figure out, um, what we can do for you, uh, size you up in terms of, where do you fall on that spectrum? And out of the 50 banks that we work with, where's the best pairing for that? Because um, by the way, Central Coast Lending, we run your credit one time. And every one of the banks we sell to will take our credit report that we run. If you were able to like take your sabbatical from work and go apply at 50 different banks, you'd destroy your credit and ability to borrow and trying. Not to mention you have to deal with 50 salespeople. <laughs> Isn't that the worst? That's like going on a car lot. You ever go on a car lot? Walk around. Yes. They're I like vultures. It. And I then if they can exact a phone number from you somehow yeah. or other, man, now they're calling and oh, yeah. emailing. And mm, yeah. Last car I bought, I actually went and looked at some cars down by Ventura. And I was like getting calls from the dealers down there. And Hey, yeah. did you buy a car yet? Yeah, I bought a car. Leave me alone. I try not, <laughs> you know? I try not to be rude to yeah. those people because I get it. I mean, and they're hustling. Yeah, it's no, a I hustle. Understand. I'm I glad understand. you're there and you're working that hard and everything, but mm -hmm. salespeople are tough to deal with. Yeah, they are. You know? Especially like radio sales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the sales manager's out in the hall out there. <laughs> oh, is that who that is? Yeah, Josh, he's, not, he's hanging out. I see those guys walking around uh -huh. out there. Yeah. So anyway, I 
That took like 10 minutes. I, <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. But you know what I mean, though? I mean, it's the kind of thing yeah. where I don't want this to be a full infomercial for our company because that's not the goal of this. But from time to time, it's really important to just... We need to let you know we're looking for the business, too. Break it right down. <laughs> well, not only are we looking for the business, we're not. I'm not asking for your handouts. Right. Uh, you're not doing me. No. I'm not looking for you to do me a favor by responding. Yeah. I'm merely saying not all companies are equal by structure. We're not equal by nature. Uh, and if you're in the market to get a loan or know somebody that is, check it out. There aren't even a lot of companies around that are structured like us. Mm -mm. Very few. Most of them are either big banks or they're a cleverly named net branch of a big bank, right? Because they'll let you do that. Oh, I'm, this is, I'm, you know, whatever I'm called. And I, if you dig down into it a little bit deeper, I actually am just a shingle hung under this big bank. And so this is, I, I do what they tell me to do. Um, there's no part of that in our business. We have no requirements to do a single loan with any one of our investors at any time. It's only, they only get it if they win the business by uh, offering the best fit for this given client. And you can't, I, I don't think you can say that about most lending institutions. So, yeah, and it's been fun. I mean, it really has. It's been a lot of regulation. It's been a lot of different things. We have new licenses with new fees and all these things that we always used to have before, uh, but it continues to be worth it. It continues to be fun. It's great. Really fulfilling to get to hand the keys over to that first time home buyer, or there's not really a key handoff, but to do a reverse mortgage for a retired couple where their house payment stops and their life just changes, or, you know, for that single parent that's slaving away every month and we can refi them into a new loan that saves them 500 bucks a month. And now, wow, the burden, that burden being lifted, they can, now they can get their kids shoes and things like that without having to put it on credit cards. There's, there's so much fulfillment that comes from helping people and sure there's, you know, the deals where it doesn't even seem to be that big of a deal. You know, you're saving this Cal Poly professor a hundred bucks a month, ho-hum, hard to get excited about that, of course, but, um, it, it's, this job is filled with all those little opportunities where we really get to impact somebody's life and it, and it is very rewarding and very fun. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my cattle call to you guys. If you, have those um, needs if you want to buy a house, if you want to buy a vacation house, if you're ready to invest in a piece of rental property, uh, maybe you want to buy a piece of dirt and build your dream home once and for all. Um, if you've got an adjustable rate loan or a loan with mortgage insurance, or you know maybe you just figured out that you're 50 now and you really want to be retired and out of the game by the time you're 65 it's time for a 15-year mortgage um we do that so 543 loan that number rings all of our offices 543-5626 or centralcoastlending.com thanks so much for being with us today guys uh, have a great week we'll be back next week with another episode of mortgage matters